the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. Hello and welcome to Freed from the Real, episode one. I'll be one of your hosts, the ever-present AJ, and with me is the delightful Kia Salem. Hey guys, how's it going? As ever, this is the uh, podcast seeking to give you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game which is of interest to us. And one thing of interest to both sets of players, we have the first little tidbit from Return to Ravnica. What have <laughs> we got? Well, we have a, a card that came out through the grapevine. There's there was a lot of hullabaloo about is it real, is it not, and where does this come from. But in the end, it's it's been determined that it's pretty much looks to be legit, um, and that is Rootborn Defenses. Um, again, looks real, but we have no confirmation of that, so we're not sure. So still speculation somewhere at this point, but it's pretty interesting. Um, it is a white common uh, for Selesnya and actually shows off their new potential mechanic, which is populate. Yep. To populate, put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of a creature token you control. Damage into, uh, the other thing it does is grant your creatures indestructible for the turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a pretty interesting card. I guess, you know, the whole purpose is, let's say your opponent attempts to wrath, well then you go in response, I cast my instant that makes all my guys indestructible, oh yeah, and I get a copy of one of my tokens. You can uh, well imagine how well this fits in with uh, Selesnya's previous um, uh, themes of spamming tokens and uh, uh, using them to convoke out stuff and or tap them to do horrible things to the opposition. Yeah, because uh, one of the things they had talked about is how the mechanics, uh, the old mechanics and the new mechanics of the guilds are designed to work together. And like you said, convoke really kind of uh, got you to play lots of creatures, which obviously often included tokens. Um, and so Populate will just go right along with that. Another thing I quite like about it is the um, it's a very definite echo of uh, Proliferate, um, both in the name and in the action. Yeah, it has it has a similar vibe to that in the way it's designed. I also think it's really interesting, and I like because the way populate is worded, uh, specifically like in the instance of this card, you can cast this without any creature tokens in play. Uh, because you never tar- it doesn't say you make a copy of target creature token. So, if you just want to save your guys from a wrath, for example, you can just play this. You won't get the full effect of the card, but it's still an option. So it's good that it's not uh, required to populate essentially. Yes. Much like prol- proliferate. And as You'd expect this works very well with things which make um, regular creatures into tokens. Uh, the uh, quirky rare seance may actually have a deck now. Yeah, that's uh, very true. When you create a, a copy of it there, you can just copy it. They've, there's some interesting cards now that create tokens, because typically you look at this and you think, well, why would I want another 1-1 sapling or 1-1 spirit? Like That doesn't seem to have that big a deal. But there are a lot of cards... Um, available right now that make uh, tokens of bigger and badder creatures, like Seance, for example. Mm-hmm. 
or in extended, you have, um, uh, or rather modern, I suppose, you have uh, everything from Kiki to um, uh, Heat Shimmer yeah. uh, to... Rider Replication. You have, you have yep. quite a few options, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty interesting and potentially a fun mechanic. It'll be, if it is real, it'll be cool to see what else they do with it. It's um, you could you could well imagine a deck built around this, uh, some form of token generation, um, mm-hmm. and go to town. I mean, yeah. I don't think they'd uh, reprint the um, uh, one of the uh, best uh, creature creation lands um, of all time in um, uh, what was it again? The 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 tree. Yeah, that was it. Uh, Vitugazi, mm-hmm. the city tree. Yeah. Yeah, Vitugazi, the city tree. Uh, yeah, that that would be interesting. Although, one of the ones people talk about is Glare of Subduel coming back, and I really, especially with that card now spoiled, indicating we'll get a lot of token stuff, I really hope that one doesn't come back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've probably got uh, just as high a chance of seeing the original, um, uh, was it Opposition? Yeah, Opposition. <laughs> which was way, way, way better. Um, this was the fixed version. I still think it'd be too powerful. One yeah. one one I just thought of uh, with Rootbound Defenses is Tarland. It works great with him because you get two additional drakes and you cancel a wrath with him in play. Three additional drakes. Is it, is it three? Because you play this spell, that makes a copy, and then you populate to make another one. So that, that's a fun one. Uh, overall, pretty interesting stuff. A little early, but uh, we always enjoy that when we get little tidbit sneak peeks out there. Yep. Uh, although I dare say whoever is responsible for this will probably uh, get an interesting view of the floor as it rolls away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's don't want to be that person. Although it's the weird tale about how this card came to be to the community, so you can... Read up on that. It's all buried in the thread that we provided a link to in the show notes. Yep. So mm-hmm. all right. And AJ, we got uh, a couple of bug fixes this week. Do you want to fill us in on that? Yes, we have um, the cards which you show, which um, you may reveal from your hand right at the start of a game, uh, namely. Uh, lay, uh, ley lines and the Chancellor cycle from uh, New, Phyrexia. New Phyrexia have been fixed and can now correctly be played at the start of a game. So I presume something broke those briefly. Yeah, that, I think it was something like the game would just like crash or something. Like I, I heard tales of like you just basically couldn't play them because the game wouldn't function. Yep. Uh, kind of akin to Painter's Servants. And how he was for so long and just crashing games, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, they've now fixed that, and you should be able to uh, um, play out your ley lines and all your chancellors with impunity. Yeah. I'm or not... with mana, if, if you don't get the moving hand. Yeah. I mean, there's only a couple I can think of that see uh, common play in tournament formats. And that would be like ley line of the void, and then occasionally ley line of sanctity mm. can play. Uh, but I'm sure, yeah, casual players, this has been a stick in the craw. I'm sure uh, 
uh, chancellors are a lot of fun. I always tried to get them to work, but you can never figure out something. Yeah, they're never quite um, – there's too much of a disparity between having it at the start of the game and, haha, I suddenly have a uh, uh, additional mana, make your spells more expensive, a um, bit of milling, uh, drain a bit of life. It, it, it's, it's hard to then be able to um, exploit that further, unless you – I suppose you could go for a reanimation deck, but even so – uh, they're fairly vanilla when they're in play. Yeah, they're not that great. And it just creates a bad taste in your mouth. Like when you, for example, when you're on the draw and your very first draw is like a Chancellor, <laughs> you're just like, ah, if this was only one card closer, it would have been great. But now I'm just going to sit here and stare at it and be mad at it. So it's one of those, yep. it's one of those cards that creates a lot of negative emotions around it. It's sort of the reverse of miracles, really. <laughs> I wonder if anybody ever tried to do a deck with both and uh, ended up with a handful of miracles and a draw full of uh, chancellors. Just keep drawing chancellors. That'd make for one of the most aggravating games of Magic ever. <laughs> so there you go. You heard it here first. Don't mix chancellors and miracles. Yes. They do not go well. All right. Well, that's, uh, I'm glad they're cleaning up a couple of bugs, especially ones that cause significant hindrances to games. That's good. Yep. Right. Um, some other news we got uh, from that update is that the August Thursday Night Magic Online card will be an alternate art Avacyn Pilgrim, uh, which mm-hmm. is looking pretty cool. Nice artwork for that. There's a little staff of Avacyn. Yep, the uh, human monk, which taps for, which costs green but taps for white. Um, there's quite a range of um, these, really. There's. Uh, I seem to recall there was um, a filtering one way back in uh, Wrathblock. Um, you also had, uh, going way back to the dark, um, and of course to Ravnica, Elder Deep Shadow. Yes. Um, yeah, it's not the, the first time they've done the, the cross color like this. It was interesting because typically you see that in like a multicolor block hmm. um, is where they do that, but obviously this one's just thematically tied for green and white kind of being buddy-buddy yes. in the block while all the other monsters surround them. But, yes. you know, great news is that it's a playable card that'll still be available in Standard for the foreseeable future, so. You seriously can't foresee beyond, um, or between, beyond Autumn 2013? I mean, I can, but I'm saying it's not our typical here's your summer promo for a card which is about to rotate out of Standard in a month or two, Yeah, That's true. Yeah. Right. All right, so that's good. Um, that pretty much wraps up the announcements on, from the Mothership. One thing that we do have uh, that we've caught wind of is uh, the guys at Classic Quarter and Clan Magic Eternal will bring, be bringing us a year-long uh, Classic League. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a pretty ambitious undertaking, but basically they're going to have uh, what they're calling the Classic Quarter League, which features the Classic Invitational. Um, yep. The, invita- uh, the Invitational is scheduled for July 2013, so um, it will be interesting to see uh, who sticks it out for that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, like I said, it's a very ambitious undertaking, and I applaud the guys for you know maintaining their, their format and doing that. They have had a lot of success with the their format before. Basically, the qualifier events... Uh, there'll be four of them during the year that are going to take place shortly after every set comes out. Um, and they will be 
their typical tournament, which is there'll be a number of Swiss rounds, and each round will last one week. So you'll have the opportunity to, to for the whole week to try and contact your opponent and set up a time you guys can play um, during the week before you send it in, which is really nice because, and especially for the typical classic player, it's understood that most of them are older players. They have jobs and families and other responsibilities, so they can't sit down and devote X number of hours very often to a tournament. So this kind of come-and-go league-style uh, tournament is really appealing to a lot of the typical classic players. Yep. Also a bit of a uh, why haven't we got leagues yet to Wizards, if you will. Yes. <laughs> um, but the they give you all the information. We provide a link in the show notes that tells you all about it. And this first qualifier will be coming up here shortly. Um, registration is due by Saturday, August 11th, and will begin on Monday, August 13th. But basically, um, if you manage to top eight any of the four qualifier events throughout the year, that will qualify you for the Invitational. Um, and in fact, if you, I think it says here, yeah, if you get a second top eight, you even earn a round one buy in the Invitational. Um, and they're, hope, they're looking for some sponsors right now, and they're working on gathering up some prize support. And they've done a pretty good job of that in the past. Like I know the, I played in one of the classic leagues, and they had a pretty tremendous payout um, for a free-to-enter, free-to-play uh, league. So um, if you're at all interested in classic, you know, even if you, you know, end up getting hammered, like it is a free tournament, so it might be something you could look into to dip your toe into right here. Yep. Um, they do have an interesting and amusing footnote. Uh, what's that say? It's uh, at the very bottom of the the post here. It says, "In the event that Wizards of the Coast blesses us with a full vintage on MTGO during the course of a season, uh, that's the year-long event in their wording. The current active qualifier tournament will play out as scheduled, and then any future qualifiers will switch over to the vintage format." Mm-hmm. So they seem to be pretty uh, hopeful that sometime within the next year we may be seeing vintage on Magic Online. I think we'll see leagues first. <laughs> Man, I don't know. We got we actually got pretty close to vintage with uh, ME4, apparently. Uh, when it had Mythics, it was speculated that the reason they switched that around is so vintage was not available on Magic Online. And quite frankly, I think it's easier to release 9 or 10. I'm not even sure. I know we need the Power 9, obviously, but I'm not sure what other cards might be missing. It'd be easier to sneak those on the system than to implement leagues. Well, the trouble is we run the risk of having a separation between uh, uh, tournament quality vintage and full vintage, if you will. Uh, if you have the power cards from everything offline, um, online in vintage and call it vintage, and then somebody comes up with a deck using some obscure card uh, from a pre-mirage set, which um, somehow manages to make a deck more successful, but which isn't on Magic Online... Is it still vintage? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, <laughs> and I I don't really know the answer to that. I know there was actually an article a while back um, that was on the Pure MTGO. I can't remember the writer, unfortunately, but he did a short series about basically like outlining here are all literally all the missing cards on Magic Online. These are the only things we're missing. He talked about these are just junk and will never be successful cards. They've already been you know, fundamentally trumped by other cards that have come out since then. And then he talked about, like, any cards that might even have the slightest, most tiniest inkling of a chance to be implemented in the game. Um, and there weren't... It was a very short list. Like, if, if 
you know, not just the Power Nine. So, but then again, yeah, things happen. I remember when uh, the rule, massive rule change happened, and suddenly Flash went from being a junk rare to a twenty dollar card. So yep. you never know when a card might pop up to be really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting debate about whether or not if something did happen and suddenly there's a card that we need for vintage that is not available to us, what would we call that then? What would we do? Hmm. I guess people were testing, like, that, that was the same conundrum we had with Legacy, like, even when we were missing Mask Block, which, granted, was not the most exciting of blocks, but we didn't have Tangle Wire, we didn't have Rashad and Port, we didn't have uh, a couple other cards available to us, we didn't have large... Unmasked, misdirect, yep. Yeah, unmasked, misdirect, we didn't have large quantities of dazes, um, uh, even though some were available through the dual deck that was released, we didn't have a large number of them, so that was a problem. So yeah, yep. um, you know, we'll just kind of roll with it and see what happens. But again, that's just complete speculation on their part that we'll even get the power nine. But it is, I like that it's hopeful. I like the optimism. Yes, it's a contingency in case of something unlikely, but it's always good to be prepared than to be caught by surprise. Yes. Okay. Well. I think that kind of wraps up our news for this week. So why don't we roll on into prices and talk about some M13? Hmm. There's been some interesting price fluctuations. Um, we don't tend to have much really big value. The closest thing we've got to a real money card is currently a Jani Core of the Pride, which is uh, weighing in at just over 10. Yeah. So whilst that's uh, um, a bit over 40 a play set, it's still that's not really earth-shatteringly titan-esque if you will no if you if you're wondering what that sound is in the background right now that's m13 cards plummeting in value um that just kind of took a dive um we had multiple cards um that have lost about half their value since our podcast last week including like tarland and thundermaw hellkite um some have lost significant chunks of value like thrag tusk um ajani and liliana um, and yeah, like we said, the only card that we have in the set right now over 10 is a Johnny and just buy it, you know, 50 cents. Yeah, it's, um, it's anything, quite... you, anything, anything you want to scoop up right now, AJ, at these, these low, low prices? Well, I think I might go for some of the more uh, quirky build around rares. Um, Omniscience um, as a concept is very nice. Um, as a card... Manner, not impossible. Um, is that why? So, uh, is that, that why Academy Rector has like shot up in value? Is because people are trying to pull off some omniscient decks. I've noticed Rector possible. has gone up quite a bit. It is possible that that could be it. Um, it could be that. It could be um, uh, quite a few things. Uh, Wildfire, um, fun card with uh, any number of. Um, Oh, and there's some damage which is coming towards you after this uh, resolves kind of plays. Um, yeah, no, we spent uh, the last the PTQ I went to a few weeks ago, me and some of my friends sat around and we talked. We probably wasted a good couple hours um, discussing ways to break world fire. Um, didn't really come up with much, but we tried. Well, there's a couple of ways. Um, Rift Bolt. Uh, we were talking in four standards. Which For standard, yeah. not quite so much, no. Um, well, there might be one or two things. Um, 
Thrag Task, for example. Um, he leaves play, you get a 3-3, three, three, everybody's at one life with no cards in hand and no... Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, else. no one has anything, except for this beast here. <laughs> and <you're>... Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we were looking, we were like goofing around with that, but uh, yeah, that card, obviously, no one agrees with trying to break the world fire, and that's why it's coasting at 75 cents. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, the ramp we currently have uh, whilst we can go from 4 to 8 mana that's only for uh, uh, creatures and artifacts very true, very true. Um, but yeah just not a whole lot of value there's a couple of mid-range cards uh, Sublime Archangel um, is at 8 which is a little low seeing as she's a brand new mythic that people are interested in it seems but uh, still a sought-after card, and that thing can deliver a beating, let me tell you. Especially when you go turn 4, Sublime Archangel, turn 5, Sublime Archangel. With other exalted dudes in play. That's pretty ridiculous, yes. Yeah. Um, I think I might want to go to get a few Thundermore Hellkites, which are currently at just over 8.5 apiece. Um, because 5-5 five, five Dragon for 5, who swings, uh, pings, and um, taps down anything which could get in its way. Yeah, he's definitely going to connect, unless they have a, some kind of a spell to respond with. He's getting through for five uh, the first turn he comes into play. Yeah. And potentially fun, you know, next turn you slam down another one and you get through for ten. And next turn, what next turn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of it. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. Tarland has kind of taken a tumble since coming out. He's down to around four dollars. Is it Tal Talrand or Talrand? Oh, Tal Talrand, sorry. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not sure I'll have to work on my uh, pronunciations there. Yes, your uh, chandelarese could do some work, <laughs> especially the underwater dialect. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it just a lot of the mythics uh, we've seen reprints as far as, for example, you know, Primor Primordial Hydra has been bleh, Primordial Hydra has been reprinted a couple of times. Uh, most of the planeswalkers are reprints, and then the two that aren't are kind of holding up in value. Yep. Uh, Sarah Avatar um, was famously one of the first um, uh, old cards reprinted on Magic alongside uh, Sliver Queen and um, Morphling. Morphling. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, and is uh, just under a ticket. Yeah, because I mean, she came out both there and then when Saga released. Uh, which was a pretty popular old set to be drafted. So, yeah, she's not doing a whole lot at 84. Uh, Mutilate is another popular one that's back, and it's, it was printed originally in Torment, and then came out in a dual deck. So it's only sitting at about two dollars. <laughs> and then one one that's funny one to me is that just keeps waffling, uh, kind of goes up and down, is, and that's a uh, trading post, uh, which is. I've seen go just about to one ticket that's now back up around 183. So mm -hmm. interest in that card seems to be fluctuating one way and the other. Yes, um, kind of fitting, really. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, it's it's a fun little card and it's interesting, and we'll see what people do with it. If anything, I've seen people play it um, in some fun little interesting decks, and I mean, obviously, as long as you have like Icar Wellspring and Microsync Wellspring, Solemn. Other fun artifacts to do stuff like with that. Uh, we'll see what it does. Yep. Or does she use it to recur Spine of Ishaw repeatedly? That would be pretty brutal. 
And I know I personally got hampered by uh, getting blocked by a GOAT token before, so, you know. Yes. It does happen. Okay. Well, uh, if you want to check out all those prices, we've got every uh, rare over a dollar and every mythic price it uh, out in the show notes. You can come check those out, although probably by the time you hear this, some of those prices will have fluctuated even more. Yep. Some will go up, some will go down, some will go. Yeah, and some will just go. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess that will roll into our question of the week. Um, and this week, that will be, which guild are you most looking forward to returning in this upcoming block? Uh, AJ? Not even a um, moment's hesitation, is it? Is it's it? Just, um, yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, I just had a fond, fondness for um, uh, red and blue, uh, multicolor. Um, there's a lot of uh, interesting effects, which they tend to uh, do rather well doubled up. Um, uh, last time around, Is it had some fun cards from Nizmizet to uh, Electrolyze, which was both fire and ice combined. Um, the odds part of odds and ends. Yeah, it was uh, definitely some fun stuff in there. To see that, uh, and I do enjoy Is it as well, mostly because blue and red are a good combination. Um, me personally, I, I'm pretty looking forward to Golgari returning. Um, I'm one. Yeah, <laughs> and again. And again, and again. Now, I'm one of the handful of people who absolutely love Dredge. I love the deck. I love playing it. I'm curious to see how they're going to make a mechanic that works with the graveyard and but doesn't break it this time um, and doesn't have the inability to fix it because they had the problem, kind of like with the untapped mechanic, where the larger you make the drawback, the better the card becomes. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm just I, I love the graveyard. I love interacting with the graveyard. I love reusing resources that have already been used. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing where we go with that. Yes, the incremental advantage guild. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, but uh, if you have a different guild or you want to chime in and say, yeah, I love that guild, um, you know, go ahead and drop us a note in the show notes and let us know. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing which they really, really need to do is make sure that uh, they stop printing tries with only three members. It's uh, a real pain when you've got to stick in a couple of changes just to make it legal. <laughs> I'm looking at you weird. And Noggle, for that matter. Red-Blue does tend to be the poster child for this sort of, uh, um, oh dear, we fell short again thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see Noggles coming back anytime soon, but you can get some more weirds this time around. Go yep. back and fix up your weird, make your deck weirder. Could be the weirdest deck out there. Let's hope so. <laughs> All right, uh, AJ, what you been playing? Um, not much. Didn't get a chance to play at the weekend because I was uh, up in Canterbury with my family. Uh, first cathedral ever. Um, uh, well, before there was England, there was a cathedral at Canterbury, ah. which was uh, quite fun. That's cool. But I did. I did have some time to dabble with a uh, fun little standard deck built around the Curse Engine. The, you want to explain that a little bit? Uh, curses uh, being the uh, auras which enchant player. Um, there are some uh, pretty yeah, like, nasty ones. Yep. Like Curse of Death Hold or. Yeah. Uh, curse of Death Hold is decent removal. 
Curse of Misfortunes is a tutor into play effect, which can kill you really, really quickly with a couple of um, uh, Curse of uh, Curse of Thirst, which is the uh, deal damage according to the number of curses you've got, and Curse of Bloodletting, which is the all damage is doubled one. Uh, yeah, that would do. If you keep tutoring up curses and then you know curse them in the face, that uh, that'll get you there, I guess. Well, you don't even need to uh, tutor that many. If you've got, say, uh, the early ping for one curse and uh, drop a curse of misfortunes, your opponent is dead in two or three maximum. Huh. Yeah, I guess I guess that would do it. Oh, cool. I'm glad you went and made a run of that. Had some fun. Was it creatureless? Nope. Uh, Bitterheart Witch uh, chipped in as a uh, uh, blocker stroke uh, tutor. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and as for myself, I played in some of the Thursday Night Magic Online. Uh, I tried out the new Phantom Limited that they had, mostly because I wanted to play some M13 Sealed, and partly because I wanted to get a hold of some Promo Addison Pilgrims. Um, and it was fine. I enjoyed it, and I had, you know, mostly probably because I did pretty well, I played in two of them, and I went 5-1 overall. Um, pretty easy when you get like seven Exalted guys in black and white and kind of just run with that. Uh, so that was my 3-0 deck. And then the other deck I managed to go 2-1 with, I had Chandra and a Searing Spear to Splash in Red, along with some other stuff. The only problem was when I ran into the dude with uh, Triple Krenko's Command and Jace. Um, so he could just stall the board forever and then mill you. Yeah, I can see how that's a problem. Yeah, that's pretty uh, strong. So, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But overall, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I think I got, you know, my money's worth even at the five-ticket price and the Phantom events. So, yeah. I, I liked it. Fair enough. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess that will wrap up the podcast this week. And, and I'll stay tuned till next time. Hopefully we'll have some big juicy news about, well, who knows what. Um, but, yeah. Enjoy it. Get out there. Play some magic. Get some insertion cards while they're cheap. <laughs> yep. Or whilst they're relatively expensive, depending on which way they go. That's true. All right, everybody. Well, till next week, take it easy. All the best. Bye.